So we're standing in Amy Silman's Directions Gallery, and we're looking at a wall of her drawings of couples. And I thought we'd just start with this, Amy. If you, can you discuss a little bit what brought you to make these drawings and the process of the drawings? Um, these drawings actually are like um, kind of third, fourth, and fifth generations of drawings away from the original drawings of people that I did. And uh, I think the original impetus was that when I was making my last show for New York at, at Brent Sigma, the figures were all kind of cartoony and they were all drawn from my head. And um, I think in the past I've done a whole bunch of portrait drawings, but I had never incorporated those into the basis for paintings. I, I, I would draw from life for fun, but I wouldn't draw for for like um, sketches for paintings or anything like that. And you really not exhibited those portraits much. Yeah, no, only one time, and um, that was about a decade ago or more. So um, after doing figuration, kind of Gustany figuration, uh -huh. kind of from a cartoonal position for years and years, I felt like that was a little dried up and that it might be more interesting to really look at the way people do function. And, and, the, and the way that I usually draw people in the older paintings has always been kind of psychological. Mm -hmm. um, they're, though, they're, though they're cartoony, they're supposed to have a kind of pathos or some kind of um, more, um, you know, I would think of it as being kind of a Beckett-like quality mm -hmm. of something kind of absurd or tragicomic. Not specific. You weren't thinking of anyone in particular, except maybe yourself in those early. Sometimes figures. I would. No, I would think of different people. I would definitely think oh, of a, of characters, um, people that sort of occupied positions that I thought might be, um, um, you know, who might occupy a character position. Uh -huh. Like um, there was definitely. Like a type. Yeah, there was a traveling salesman that I used right. to draw, and he was my dad. Okay, and, you're Willie Loman. Mm -hmm. And um, but um, but anyway, I got to this place where I thought I should look at other people more specifically to build a new vocabulary for form, basically. And not everybody has to be like a head on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I thought that it would be interesting to look at couples because there's a sort of obvious psychological charge between them. And I thought, okay, here's here's instant content, you know, the way they sit just, around. It's not just the figure or the body; it's how those two bodies relate. Yeah, totally. So it's kind of um, the way they sit around, the way they lean on each other, what they do. I didn't even tell them what to do. I would just say, I'd like to come and draw you, and uh, they would do all kinds of things. And Literally, some would lay in bed, some got naked, some, many just sat on chairs and read. And they just sort of did what they do when they're hanging around their apartment. Well, they didn't, they didn't. That was the thing that was really funny. I, I mean, mean, some look more posed. Yes, yeah, some, I didn't pose some anybody. Some completely casual. Yeah, I mean, some assumed this position of like, like uh, funerary statues, <laughs> and others um, got cozy, uh -huh. you know. But in all cases, I didn't tell them what to do, and I didn't instruct them in any way, although I did say, Please don't, don't take, take your off your clothes off. off. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I and usually and I always said bring your dog and leave your children out. <laughs> 
So those were the parameters. And how long usually were those life drawing sessions that you would do? They were about an hour, 90 minutes. I mean, it would take a lot longer. Like you had to get there and settle in? And yeah, there'd have to be coffee drinking and right. then, you know, visiting. And then there'd have to be sh sh sort of shuffling around. Telephones had to be go on and off, like right. settling. And then usually after about 20 minutes, there'd be one great change. And at that point, they would get into the position that they seemed like they were really going to be in. And then you would start. And then I would draw more. I mean, I would draw them for the first 20 minutes, but almost invariably the first 20 minutes got thrown out. Uh-huh. And these are all people you know? Yeah, I, I just figured that I would draw the people I knew because I would um, have more easy access to their comfort level. Mm -hmm. And um, so um, I started with, you know, I tried to, you know, start with the people who were, well, I started with those who, who were available, but mm -hmm. I have a list of about a hundred more that I haven't that gotten like to, to yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's still going to go on. And maybe we should also mention that prior to, to embarking on this, you, in addition to your desire to kind of flesh out the figure a little bit more in your painting, you were doing a number, uh, you had done, I don't know how many, three or four paintings in which there were three figures. This kind of threesome was popping up in the work. And so, this work in some way was also you, your observation of the couples somehow linked to something that was happening in the painting. Yeah, um, I kind of realized that was part of the thing about moving away from the cartoonal. In the cartoonal, there were three because I was drawing a triangle. Mm -hmm. And in this form, um, I was the third. And it was really clear to me immediately that I became the third. It actually started, well, we, I talked about it with Ian in the book interview, but um, it's, it was very specific and literal in that I was originally making studies for a painting of three people. Right. I drew the original one just to try to, to get a painting right. Uh -huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I just immediately realized instantly, oh, I'm the third. Mm -hmm. And that was perfect. So maybe describe also that, so you, you have this group of, of drawings that come from the sessions you do with the couples, and then the next step is the memory drawing. Can you yeah, then I would just draw, I would try to draw one hour at home. I, I, I just wanted to test what my memory could do, and I just tried to redraw them. And then I, and then I, I thought those drawings were very funny because they were kind of distorted. Um, and then the distortions made it really obvious that those, those, those drawings from memory were the real meat because they were the things that were linked to the process of, of, well, first of all, the obvious process of abstraction, but also the process of like um, draining the like, um, the kind of, um, you know, kind of the boring content away and putting the more interesting content in. I, I guess, I guess making it making it go from an act of, of, of perception to an act of imagination. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So mm -hmm. it goes from observation in some way yeah. to something where you're interpreting more. Right. And it, when it, you know, all it was was basically doing exactly what I've always done, but just doing it in steps uh -huh. and really enjoying the steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then, then each generation of drawings, as we've been calling them, is, is a kind of response in a way to the one that preceded it gradually becoming more abstract. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think like um, it's sort of like a, a short-term version of like what it took, you know, Mondrian like a decade to do. 
but it's kind of like it was just like the it, you know Campbell soup ver you know in, you know the Lipton soup version where it's like you know modernist flavor packet you know it's just instant the quick abstraction version. you know in a in a classic you know, historical tradition. Exactly. I mean, that's what. But I don't mean it in a, me. in a in a glib way. I mean, I really do. No, and this is something that I mean, the relationship between representation and figuration and abstraction has always been in your work on some level. Yeah. This has just kind of pushed it to. Yeah. Pronounced. It just didn't seem sort of actually like um, it seemed like to me once I took time to work through all the steps more slowly. It, it seemed, on the one hand, it made me feel more um, incredibly old-fashioned and kind of historical. Yeah, that you were engaging in this. Yeah, but it also made me feel incredibly um, not, um, not glib because I thought that the, the whole, um, you know, it seems kind of, I don't know, like in hindsight it seems kind of like all of the things before that were too easy. Like it's so easy to say like, oh, I'm investigating the space between abstraction and figuration, but if you're not really investigating mm -hmm. the space between them, then you're just making like a kind of dumb melange of the of two. Both. So it sort of made it seem like I was um, putting my money where my mouth was. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. That you had finally gotten to something you've been thinking about for a long time. I'd been saying I was doing uh -huh. it, but I kind of felt like, okay, now really investigate the space between them. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Well, the other reason why I would say there's no glibness is that your interest in in the subjects and your interest in people is actually quite pronounced. I mean, just from knowing you uh -huh. and our many, many conversations <laughs> and you're incredible. I'm just nosy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're nosy and you're curious and you remember, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday. It's incredible what you remember about people's lives and their biographies and their and what they tell you. And I think that there's a genuineness to your ability and desire to kind of have those connections with people. And I think that, I think what's beautiful about the drawings that we have here is that you can see that, even though it's not spelled out in any way. You can see a kind of, um, a kind of desire and a kind of comfort and a discomfort and all of this um, kind of intimacy you know That's how it's happening there. Yeah, you know how it really started. Um, partly, it was that I told Alexandra Mir that I wanted to be a conceptual artist, and that my first project <laughs> would be that I would go to everyone I knew and sleep with them for one night. <laughs> and she said, "That is a fantastic project." She was like, "I should have done yeah, that." Yeah, you must do that project. <laughs> you must. And um, and I thought. Then I thought about it. I really thought about it because I thought, like, I really do like to get all close to people and see what they're like. <laughs> and um, How far can I push it? Yeah. Can I sleep in the same bed? And she said, um, I said to her, like, I wanted it to be like the piece that, um, um, who's the French woman artist? Um, Sophie Cowell. Sophie Cowell, but I didn't want to sleep in the bed that they stalked in. People. Yeah, I didn't want to stalk them or go where they weren't. I wanted to go in the bed with were. them, but not sleep with them, just sleep right. in the same bed with them. Yeah. And anyway, Alexandra <laughs> Mir thought this was a fantastic project, and she was really encouraging, which I actually appreciated. And then She's I thought, your conceptual art advisor. my advisor, <laughs> and then I thought, well, I can't really do that project because it doesn't involve the part that I also like, which is going home, turning off the phone, and making something. You right. know, drawing. These are like painting. the caboose. This is what comes after. But um, but at some level, but of at that, some level, I some wanted level. to do that, and yeah. So then I thought, well, I know how I can do it. 
I'll draw them. Mm -hmm. That's great. I, you hadn't told me that before. Uh -huh. So let's talk about how the drawings then relate to the paintings. Now we're in the gallery with all the paintings. Well, then the rest is hard to, to describe. Yeah. Um, because basically, I don't know what happens. I don't. I don't know either. You know. It, well, it seems like early, the earliest ones, at, in, including the one we're looking at right now, which is PNH two Behemoth. Mm -hmm. You, you, there was a more direct relationship between a drawing or a group of drawings of a particular couple that you would use as a starting place, a kind of first layer to the painting that eventually gets completely masked over. I mean, we've talked about how I watched P&H in this painting kind of go from being recognizable to subsequent visits to your studio when they just got masked over completely. And now what we're looking at is, is an absolute abstraction, although I, I know and you know Oh, the, the, we the know, figures are underneath. We know that it's a mattress strapped to a top of a car. <laughs> right, and then it, exactly, it starts to <laughs> look like something else, quite sculptural. And I mean, all of these have connotations to objects, the way that, that or associations that each individual is going to bring, the way that we do to abstraction. But I think, you know, in, in the more recent work, certainly in several pieces in this show, you weren't necessarily starting from those specific drawings. It's more like you now have this vocabulary of shape and line and relationship between form and juxtaposition from the couple's mm -hmm. drawings that you're working with. Is, would you say that that's accurate? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I had a kind of vocabulary already, already about shape and line and stuff, um, but I mean, I think I had sort of a modernist vocabulary kind of going for uh -huh. a while. Uh -huh. um, but I think that those um, people, those drawings just gave me a more interesting starting point. Right. And then, you know, from there on, it's just about messing up. Right. Basically, it's like twirling it upside down and scraping it off and getting into a relationship with the painting. It's basically just moving from being in a relationship with those people to being in a relationship with an oil painting. Uh -huh. And my version of a relationship in an oil painting is an extreme process. Right, so maybe you could talk about that process and, and the layering and the scraping away, and, you know. Well, this again, this is another, like, I'm like, I'm like double-barreled traditionalism because, you know, on the one hand, I'm just looking at people and drawing them and then making abstracter things. And then the other kind is this, I think, very, um, um, time, I would call it a time-honored rather than conservative or conventional, uh -huh. but it's a time-honored um, way to paint that probably derives from um, Gorky and, you know, painters like that. Maybe not Gorky, because actually Gorky worked on the same forms again and again and again, uh -huh. but, you know, it's a kind of um, early modernist way of painting. That's to, very rooted in process. Yeah, to, to not, you know, you know, have like a, a clear sense of entirely what the thing's gonna look like uh -huh. and to allow the procedures, material procedures to kind Come of forward. build and unbuild. And I think what's the most important thing is this question of um, unbuilding uh -huh. and rebuilding. Because I think that um, it's something that people who look at paintings without making paintings don't necessarily know. Exactly. Which is how much um, destruction and ruin goes on underneath, you know, any given painting surface. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily the case for all painter, painters, obviously. But you've talked about that also as 
where the risk lies somewhat because you've got something that you have some relationship to and some commitment to and then you're actually you know scraping it off or, or painting over it not knowing whether that will further the painting in a direction you want to go or not like there's some risk that you may get rid of something you really like yeah I mean you've got to be willing to throw the painting away after spending months supposedly making it right you know or even just have a painting without making it sound like too laborious there could be a painting that you work on for a week and then you just put it in the corner and then maybe let it sit for a month but none of these strategies are um, for working are like um, very they're not like um, predetermined well they're not result oriented entirely you know if you're supposed to make a show and and uh, in the middle you decide you know to like scrape everything back and change it, 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 it there's some risk in that uh -huh. I mean I wouldn't call it like you know risk like on a global political <laughs> scale but there's a kind of um, tightrope walk mm -hmm. that you have to trust the process well I also what also came to mind when you were saying this this way of working in which the outcome is not known and that you let you let things come out in the painting through through working is also I think where the emotional quality of your work rests because ultimately these these abstractions that we're looking at are really charged and they have a lot of emotional um, bang to them and I think that in that has some relationship to the way that the spaces are, are, are awkward Mm -hmm. In some sense, I mean, everything's unbalanced, um, precarious. There's a vulnerability here that is always and always has been in your work, really, and now is in your work in a different way. That's really coming through the formal language of, of abstraction rather than a particular character or you know the cartoony yeah. um, type that you've done in the past. And I think that that's been just incredible to watch me watching these paintings happen over the last year, six months. Um, it's really striking, I think. Oh, that's good. Well, I mean, that's what I want. I want it to look like it's going to fall apart. Right. And Just building up and falling apart. And yeah. Building up. I mean, I think that that would be the thing I would be trying to convey in a way, in the end, it's kind of fragility. Right. You know, or the vulnerability of the thing, of the structure, uh -huh. rather than the, the immensity and the, and, the, and the heroism of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about color, because I think one thing that our visitors will be struck by immediately, walking in the gallery, is just your incredible sense of color. And, you know, in part it's, it's a kind of willingness to work with a, a really diverse palette and put things together that maybe don't quite go together in some conventional way. Um, but how do you think about color in your work? Is it just instinctual? Yeah. Color's hard to talk about. It is. And I always um, feel like it's a little bit beyond words. But um, I realized when we were talking earlier about something else that um, I understand these paintings as not being a desire to return to the good old days of abstraction or the good old days of anything. Like, it's really important for me to understand these paintings as not um, a, a kind of sentimental return. Instead, I kind of feel like I'm trying to um, work through, destroy, and rebuild the possibility of, like, finding a kind of meaning 
conceptually and like philosophically in making something by hand that you don't really understand. Mm -hmm. So the fact that color is sort of beyond language is really important. The fact that color has taken second place you know, in the consideration of art, or has been relegated to sort of the position of taste. Uh -huh. um, it's really important to me to reclaim it as like a primary structure and not to do so with a kind of um, what I think is like really conservative political agenda of return to the right. good old days. So I don't want to like make colors that seem entirely tasteful. Right. Like I like the idea of scraping paint up off the floor, using things that are garish, things that seem, um, if Greg Bordowitz was here, he would say they were queer. Right. You know, that they're colors that like really push the envelope and challenge the agenda of just simple, easy, good taste. They should be a little queasy, a little uncomfortable, like kind of beautiful, but like a weird, uncomfortable, awkward beauty, right. sort of like the form. And it's really important to me that the color be not just store-bought and slapped on in a kind of fabricating way, but like worked through to a position of emotional discomfort right. slowly. Do you start, and I don't even know the answer to this already, when you begin a painting, do you have a general palette in mind that probably will get mixed up, or do you just sort of like mm -mm. getting, just doing it, just grabbing colors as you go along? It's just, along? it's just like, um, first it's like a shopping frenzy, you know, because <laughs> there's so many colors in the store. I always wonder about like painters at times before pearl paint. Yeah, what you do know? they do? Where did they, they get their paints? Yeah. Um, and then there's like, um, then there's the incredible um, mistakes, you know, like a lot of the colors that are in this show were the, um, were the globs of paint that I scraped off, you know. For, oh, and reused. Yeah, for a lot of the colors in this show, the way that the paintings resolved, <clears throat> they resolved around um, one or two of the literal piles on the floor. I mean, oh, and paint mixed was together. Just, you know, the paint would just be laying everywhere. Uh -huh. There'd be big piles and globs, globs and cups <laughs> and stuff of like bad stuff that was scraped off. And then I would Amazing. use that to build paintings out of kind of that same kind of ruined color. Mm -hmm. Like these are the sort of ruined structures. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's kind of like, um, that was sort of like a dirty pleasure, mm -hmm. you know? Um, to, to kind of find um, some really bizarre green that I have never seen before right. and put it with like some really sparkly orange or, you uh -huh. know, it's just, that's just, you know, that's like, that's, fun. that's just like taste. That's just yeah. fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about, um, there's small, we call them, <laughs> I forget, we had all this like, the, the small medium size panels, because you've been painting in different size canvases and we, we stuck with two. Little and big. Little and big and in the case of the show there's actually about four different Well, there's there's medium. With. Yeah, there's there's one size a little bit bigger but um, and then there were there were a couple of early ones like PH, the first one that were slightly smaller than what we've got here. Yeah, there was right, there was big, little and little big. Right. But those ones excuse me, I think we just chose these I don't want it to be well, I think that the, the ones that came right after these paintings are a little bit different because I think yeah. every time I make a body of work, I mean, I, on some level, I'm trying really hard to be a conceptual artist. Mm -hmm. 
And so, like, you know, I would make a body of paintings and then I would... Um, yeah, like make something that was not um, necessarily just like more of that. Mm -hmm. So um, after this group of work, I started to make this other stuff that was a little bit faster and yeah. was a little bit more, um, uh, it was a little bit less concerned about drawing. I was trying to actually right. build, some sh build some of these structures with shape more than with line. line. And I think we see that actually in you. Which is the third? Yeah, use the last. Use the kind last of the transitional one. one between these and the and the and next. What you're doing now. Although you, I never really know if you. What you is you you is the last painting, and it was definitely the one that I just didn't know, and it could have easily turned into an entirely other painting, and gone into a different show. Uh huh. Exactly. That's how I felt about it too. Mm -hmm. It was kind of hovering, mm -hmm. hovering on being. Um, completely different painting. Yeah, and you're, there's certainly less line work in it and more your comfort or discomfort with having larger expanses of, of color, you know, real sections of bold. But you know what I noticed? I was fine with the part on the right where the big expanses of color were. Yeah. And I was having a really hard time with the left. And people were always coming into my studio going, wow, this is a real big deal. You just have like, a color green and I'd be like huh that oh like that was so radical. big deal that's that's the part that I'm perfectly happy with oh, the part on the left is a mess <laughs> but the part on the left is so much more what you've been doing so that's interesting well the part on the left was kind of hovering between being one of these linear architectonic structures and then just being this kind of um, salmon-colored doorway yeah. that you could either go in or out of. And I kind of could never decide between making it into a hardcore object-y thing like the one on the left of Behemoth, or whether to make it an ephemeral orange doorway, yeah. like sort of like, you know, yeah, like sort of like the like hole in eye. In eye. Yeah. So I, I never could really make you become one thing. And then I ended up deciding that ambivalence was sort of the subject, so I would just leave it in a kind of strange floating condition. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you, because um, I, I know that we felt really strongly that the small paintings are just as important as the big paintings. Yeah, that's why we hung them that way. Yeah, exactly. We wanted them to be hung together in this very straightforward way uh, so that they didn't get overpowered by the big paintings. I don't think that they can because they're so they're so strong individually and collectively. But is there any way in which when you're making the smaller works, do you work differently or is it the same process? It's the same. It's just that you can turn them around more easily. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean these weigh a lot. I actually put my back out moving the big paintings. Yeah. Like I, I actually went to a physical therapist in the middle of this process and she said, you have a rib out of place. Stop Stop picking up heavy things. Um, <laughs> and you're like, but I somehow got into it. Yeah. But that was interesting too when during Ian and I, my visits to your studio um, many times in the course of doing the show, that sometimes you'd have the painting. I mean, I remember this with, with Behemoth, where you weren't even sure what was the top. And we were kind of rotating them in a quarter direction and kind of looking at them together and thinking well we still don't know which way go. H right, we, we don't H. know which way H goes still exactly 
you know, if anyone buys H and they, they like it better, it go ahead. I don't really care. I mean, it, is that true of all of these, or that you really they are sort of oriented no. in the final version for the most part? Well, I think like there's something about painting in general where when eyes look at them, they change, mm -hmm. and when um, actually um, a friend of mine said that he didn't like paintings that have been looked at too, too much. much. He felt they like are effective. Yeah, he said that they they just get. Um, they get stale or they get overworked. Like Mona Lisa? Well, maybe, but no, he meant like, you know, in his studio, like he, he, he said that he had a critique of some painting, which was, oh, it's been looked at too much. Interesting. Which sort of scared me when he said that, because I thought, oh no, no. Because I would think scared. most I've looked at too much. Not looked at as, enough. As viewers, you feel the opposite. Like you never get to look at anything long enough. And one thing that I, that I really love about these is that, you know, I've been looking at these paintings for a, a long bit time with you. yeah um, and I I'm always discovering new things I mean they're very generous in that way and I'll, I'll be I'll surprise myself like that I never noticed a particular color on a panel or, or, or a line or a relationship between something and it's um, they're it's fun they're very fun to look at and I think you could spend a lot of time with them if anything that it's just you know um, how do you choose which one to stare at? Yeah, I mean, in a way, um, I think that's exactly why we hung them this way, right? Because um, when these, um, which have a lot packed into them, when they were hung next to big ones, they seemed to diminish a little bit. And so we ended up putting all of them on one line pretty much because they then, I think, um, came forward as like complex objects in their own right. Exactly. And they didn't seem we like didn't want lesser objects. the big one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they're, they're pretty packed. Yeah. These are pretty packed tight. That's what's different about the work that I started after the, this group of work that's in my studio. It's much loose. opener. Yeah. It's much more, um, in fact, that same guy who's, I should say his name because I'm going to give him credit, but this friend of mine who's a painter, Joe Fife. Uh -huh. um, Joe was the one, he came to my studio at the end when I was kind of nervous about these before they went out. And I said, what do you think of these? And he said, he said, I like the ones that you've done right after this because it looks like you let your foot off the gas a little. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, the new ones will not. And then I had other people come visit my studio and they said, these don't seem enough for me. I prefer th this group that's at the, the, that we're looking at. So taste, you know, determines that, but some, some people thought that these were a little too packed, and other people thought that these were sufficiently packed and that the new, looser ones were too loose, mm -hmm. too less, too, li too little was there. Right. So, I mean, you know, I don't really care one way or the other, but I think that um, these are definitely wound tight, Right. I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because you're wound tight. I'm, I was wound tight when I did them. <laughs> now I'm loose. Now you're, I'm loose. Relaxed. now you're relaxed. Very relaxed. Is there anything else you want to say? Thanks for giving me a show. Oh, it's been so much fun. <laughs>